You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice of the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. The Exxon Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. to the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell. We're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave and through our broadcast affiliate network right across Canada, the United States, Central America, South America, the Pacific Rim, and now in Asia on satellite Aglia 2. one 877 is tool-free. ExxonaTalkStarRadio.com is our email address on MSN Messenger, TalkStarRadio at Hotmail.com, and our two websites, ExxonRadio.com and ExxonTV.com. Uh, earlier this evening, I played a clip of from a, a translator that we had do some stuff on the, um, on the talk that the president of Iran did in, um, in, at Columbia University. And we were just inundated with emails asking to play it again. So, all right, let me set up the the uh, scenario for you, Exxon Nation. When the uh, president of Iran was at Columbia University, because of the millions of dollars that Talkstar Radio Networks pours into the show each and every week, um, we actually had a translator go down and 
Tell us what the real scoop was of what the um, the president of Iran was saying. And, and this is what we found out he was really saying. Are, are you ready for this? Here we go. ما دوستدار همه ملت ها هست الله معجل ولی یکل فرج والعافیت و نصر I am a man who comes from humble roots ما در ایران اولا همجنس My father was a sheep herder ببینید آزادی ها در ایران My mother was a sheep ما میخوام بهترین مخلوق موفق و I am wearing underwear from Victoria's Secret خب اینجا که من مهم و ما به این فرهنگمون That carrot top is one wacky guy من اونجا میخواستم با رسانه هام البته صحبت کنم I want to go to the playboy man ببینید برنامه هسته ما Lastly, I've got one Ironically, we haven't heard from our translator ever since uh, Maybe we should get Frank Ahern to try and find her for us one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. Toll free is our telephone number. My guest this hour is Jeff uh, Alan Danilek, uh, and now he's been writing on the paranormal and fourteen subjects such as Bigfoot, UFOs, and things that go bump in the night since the year two thousand. First published in Fate magazine in March two thousand two. Jeff has been very busy ever since, having had three books published, with a fourth and fifth on the way, and uh, writing numerous articles for various paranormal-themed magazines around the world, writing on issues as diverse as political and military history to religion and spirituality. Jeff is also an aspiring novelist and a member of the Authors Guild since uh, 2006, who um, anticipates seeing uh, his work with um, novels hit the bookshelves soon. Besides writing, Jeff also enjoys teaching at Colorado Free University and hitting lecture circuit, most recently speaking at paranormal conferences at the Stanley Hotel in Estates Park, Colorado, the haunted locale that inspired Stephen King's bestseller, The Shining, and on board the equally haunted Queen Mary in Los Angeles. And uh, Jeff, how are you, buddy? Welcome back. I'm doing great there, Rob. Thanks for having me back. Super, Jeff. When we come back, I'd like to talk uh, to you about uh, reincarnation, about ghosts and other topics, and also Bigfoot. How does that sound? Super. Super. Jeff Danlick is our very special guest. His website, www.ourcuriousworld.com. And if you'd like to give us a call and talk to Jeff, ask him questions, one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. That's toll free throughout the U- U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five. And Jeff and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in beautiful Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away. Mental Health Hotline. If you are obsessive-compulsive, press 1 repeatedly. If you are codependent, ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, press 3, 4, 5, and 6. If you are paranoid, we know what you are and what you want. Stay on the line and we'll trace your call. If you're delusional, press 7 and your call will be transferred to the mothership. If you are schizophrenic, listen carefully and a small voice will tell you which number to press. If you are depressive, it doesn't matter which number you press, no one will answer you. If you are dyslexic, press 696969. 
you have a nervous disorder, please fidget with the hash key until the beep. After the beep, please wait for the beep. If you have a short-term memory loss, please try your call again later. And if you have low self-esteem, hang up. All our operators are too busy to talk to you. everyone isn't it incredible how great it feels when you connect with a psychic who authentically cares and has talent well at premier psychics that is exactly what you'll find great talent great people visit them today at www.premierpsychics.com or give them a call on their toll-free number at 1-866-803-6593 that's 1-866-803-6593 Jeff Danilix, our very special guest, and he's got a brand new book that's uh, that's out. It's called The Case for Ghosts. And uh, Jeff, uh, tell us a little bit about your new book, The Case for Ghosts. Well, Rob, uh, most books uh, out there today on ghosts are mostly ghost stories. Mm-hmm. What I want to do is write a book that looked at the different theories and hypotheses about what ghosts could be, how people become ghosts. more of a balanced approach to the subject that gets the reader to kind of look at a lot of different ideas out there about ghosts and make up their own mind about what they think they might be. Now, there are a number of theories out there, Jeff. Um, what are the what are the uh, the hardcore theories that, that you've mentioned in your new book? Well, of course, the main theory is that ghosts are disembodied personalities that you know, collect energy out of the environment, uh, enough of it to actually reflect light and manifest some sort of a picture of Mm-hmm. That's probably the most prevalent one. Other ones out there, though, however, are uh, that ghosts are uh, imprinting a picture of themselves in your brain. So what you think you're seeing as a real solid person in front of you is actually all happening in the brain, but it's still a legitimate communication. So, so would this be like a a, uh, a brain hologram? In a way, it's sort of like an induced hallucination. Wow. You know, where they're actually uh, putting their picture into your Maybe they're talking to you on a spiritual level. Maybe they're contacting your soul, and it's just kind of being processed through your brain. Tell me, um, tell me, Jeff, does everyone become a ghost when they die, or only some people? It seems that only people who have some real connection uh, with the physical realm, either a place or a person, or maybe there's there's some fear or concern about moving on, uh, seem to be be stuck here. Uh, I think being a ghost is actually not a positive thing. It's actually a, a negative thing because you're stuck between the two realms, the physical and the spiritual. Mm-hmm. And so it's something you want to avoid uh, happening to you. And I think that it's really kind of up to you if you become one. It really has to do with your personality, your possessiveness, whether you're a jealous type of person, maybe you died in a traumatic way. Uh, there's a lot of different factors that go into determining whether someone might become a ghost. Jeff, when you've got these people, uh, these groups of people on ghost walks and ghost hunts, uh, you know, you've got them tromping through graveyards, going through uh, alleged haunted areas. How do the ghosts react to us? Do they really 
find ghosts or is it once again they want to believe so much that they're actually causing themselves to believe that they see a ghost? Well, it really depends on what group you've got doing this. You've got some, some people who are more hobbyists, and they're just doing it for fun. They're going out because they want to get scared or they want to see something cool. Mm-hmm. But then you also have the hardcore researchers who are using scientific methods to go to supposedly haunted locales and look for physical evidence of these things. So it really kind of depends on the mindset of the ghost hunter, if you will, between the serious ones and the hobbyists. A lot of ghost hunters and, uh, I guess, hobbyists at this point take pictures in graveyards and uh, other haunted locations, and they come up with these photos of orbs. Now, I've had... Uh, oh, my gosh. Uh, his name escapes me uh, first. Dr. Nickel, Joe Nichols, on the show. And he says they're just taking pictures at night, and the flash reflects back on moisture in the air. Now, when it comes to orbs, are they really just moisture in the air, or are they actually part of spiritual beings? Well, I suspect uh, the answer isn't either or. I think that there's a bit of both. Um, uh, probably most orb photos are probably dust particles, mm-hmm. insects, things like that that reflect light when you flash. However, I've also picked up a couple of orbs in places that uh, really... You know, I didn't take a picture in the dark. It was in broad daylight. I took a picture, and you have a little orb or something that I can't explain. Mm-hmm. I'm not a big fan of orbs, but when I was on the Queen Mary, I took pictures of my stateroom, and I had a couple of orbs on there. You see on my website. And it was curious to me that of all the hundreds and thousands of pictures I've taken in my lifetime, the only time I ever see orbs is when I'm at some kind of a supposedly haunted location. Which I find, I mean, if you're going to pick up dust particles or insects and stuff like that, you should get those all the time. Right. But why do they only seem to happen uh, at a haunted locale? That, that's what I can't quite uh, figure out. What was it like uh, on the Queen Mary? Oh, it's, uh, it's really kind of a step into the past. It's all in Art Deco from the 1930s, and it looks very much like it did when it was an active uh, luxury liner. But uh, I found it to be really an interesting experience. Um, you do get a sense that there's a presence or a number of presences on this on this ship that has a lot of history almost kind of uh, stuck right into it. And so any place you go on the ship, you can almost sense the history of it and uh, that there may be uh, a number of spiritual entities that have made it their home. Now, now, why would spirits make the Queen Mary its home? Like, it hasn't suffered any catastrophic disaster. There hasn't been a major loss of life on it. Well, actually, that's not true. Uh, in World War II, it served as a troop ship, and, and one of the crossings of the Atlantic, it accidentally cut one of the British cruisers in half, the mm-hmm. Zurichau, and it uh, killed about 450 men. On board? On, not on board the Queen Mary, but on board the British cruiser. It oh. cut it right in two, and, and the cruiser sank. Uh, all right, but how would that relate to the the reason why spirits would want to hang around the Queen Mary? Well, I suppose um, there's a number of people who have died on the Queen Mary over the years. There's also, uh, it's a pleasant place. People go to it because it's a vacation spot. They may have very fond memories. They may have been on their honeymoon there. And when they die, they're just attracted to places that meant a lot to them when they were alive. And maybe some people, or maybe crewmen on board, uh, who have spent most of their life on board the ship may have found it to be their home. There's a whole number of different reasons why uh, people may be attracted to a particular physical location. 
Why do ghosts seem to like to hang around bars, taverns, and inns? Well, if you think about it, a lot of these people, that's where they got their only real social interaction. They would go to the bar and they would sit and talk with their friends. Mm -hmm. It was kind of the center of their life. So naturally when they die, they want to retain that friendship, that sense of camaraderie they had when they were alive, and that's the place they go. It's, just, it, it's a place that they feel comfortable uh, existing. Does one stay a ghost forever? Do we do ghosts stay on this plane, or do they eventually uh, go to the light? It seems that they eventually move on. Uh, very few cases of ghosts that are more than, say, a couple of hundred years old. You don't get ghosts from the Roman Empire or things like that. So it does seem that eventually, when circumstances on Earth change, for example, if you're haunting your home and someone comes by and tears your house down, quite often the, the rationale for staying around is gone and they will move on. Or just when they get tired of, of living in that sort of in-between world, um, and they seem to get, you know, they kind of get tired of it and they move on. Maybe they get some help from other spiritual entities. Do ghosts ever attach themselves to someone from one haunted location and end up haunting the other person's home? Yes, I've heard of cases of ghosts actually following a person and not haunting the locale as much as they are the person. So a person might have an apartment mm -hmm. and it's haunted, and then they move to another city and they get another apartment, and all of a sudden the ghost goes with them. So that's kind of a case where instead of attaching itself to a place, it's attached itself to a person, usually uh, maybe an ex-house. Do ghosts ever try to take over the body of the living? Oh, it's kind of a controversial subject. Uh, I don't personally believe that they would do that. I do think that they can, uh, if a person, like a, a medium, is willing to let them use them as a communication device, they might go ahead and make use of that. Mm -hmm. But in terms of actually pushing out the uh, your personality and taking over your body, uh, uh, I, I just don't buy it. What's your favorite ghost story of all time? My my favorite ghost story? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, as a kid, I really liked the, uh, the Amityville Horror. I thought that was the coolest story. <laughs> it's kind of a shame that, in retrospect, it seems like that may be a hoax. But the, the kind of uh, things it came up with, I thought, were, were just amazing and really pretty spooky. It's probably why I got interested in ghosts when I was a kid. Jeff, why do you think more and more people are getting interested in the investigation of the paranormal these days? Well, I think it's because a lot of it's uh, having to do with uh, the show The Ghost Hunters on sci-fi. Right. People are becoming more aware that there is ghost hunters out there. People are more open to talking about their own experiences. And it has to do with our curiosity about post-mortem existence. We all want to know what happens to us when we die. And Ghosts give us one answer, one possible answer, and I think that attracts a lot of people who think about this. All right, Jeff, you and I have to take the news at the bottom of the hour. When we come back, I'd like to talk to you about reincarnation and also Bigfoot. My name's Rob McConnell. Our very special guest is Jeff Danlick. He's got a great new book out called The Case for Ghosts, and it's available at his website at www.ourcuriousworld.com. That's www.ourcuriousworld.com. And uh, Jeff and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. Still to come tonight, uh, Dr. Jason Rand is going to be with me in our final hour. We're going to be talking about uh, dwarf stars.
and what they mean, and uh, we're going to take a good look into it because this is a subject that's being talked about a lot these days, and very few people actually know the story behind the story. One eight seven seven five two eight eight two five five is toll free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii. And I'd like to say hello to Ryan Miller's mom, who's listening to us in Burlington, Ontario, Canada. Hi, mom, from everybody here at the Exxon. I'll be back on the other side as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Don't go away. <laughs> All-Hit Radio! Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. Welcome back, Exxon Nation. Jeff Danlick is our very special guest. His website is www.ourcuriousworld.com. And Jeff, what is the purpose of reincarnation? Well, reincarnation is uh, the effort of the soul to experience as many different things as it can as it, in its evolution. So all of these different lives that we come into are, are designed basically to help the, the soul uh, grow through experiencing as wide a range of different venues as possible. Hmm. Now, what good is coming back if we can't recall our past life mistakes so we don't keep repeating them? Well, actually, that's part of the important part of the process because if we could remember our past lives with uh, some degree of clarity, we wouldn't really be living a new life. We would just be picking up the old life in a new body. I see. So, so the idea is that uh, we need to... Uh, kind of wipe the slate clean when we come into a new incarnation, or else we're going to just kind of go through the same motions. However, many of the lessons that we do learn are retained on a soul level, if not on a conscious level. So it's not like they're wasted. They're all going into the soul's memory, and, and the soul is using those experiences when it crafts the next incarnation. If that's the case, Jeff, why do people want to put themselves through past life regression? Well, some people have uh, traumatic experiences in a past life which are impacting their life today. For example, they have a, uh, a real deep fear of water, let's mm -hmm. say, and they have no history of having drowned. So they go into a past life regression and they find out that they drowned in a past life and that helps them deal with the trauma and often has tremendously useful therapeutic value. Plus, it's just a curiosity thing. It helps explain 
maybe some of your idiosyncrasies, some of your interests, uh, some of you know, some of why you do the things you do. I'll be very helpful. But isn't that just going against what we said that the main objective of reincarnation is to come back and and learn or continue the learning process? Well, in a way, uh, it it can be a problem if you become excessive with it. However, you're not really reliving that whole past. You're only getting little little vignettes from it. Not enough to really do enough to, to change your whole outlook. Um, but I, I do agree that you can become excessive with it, and then you start going around over-identifying with maybe a past life, and then you are uh, circumventing the, the whole process. Now, do you have to reincarnate, or do you have the option of saying, no, I've, I've had enough? Well, I believe that the soul can uh, experience things on a number of different venues. Sometimes it experiences things in the physical realm. It comes into physical form and, and as a personality. But I think there are also other spiritual venues that it can go through, too. So to answer your question, I, I think that the choice of reincarnating is up to us. Mm -hmm. However, I do believe that there are certain souls out there who enjoy going through the physical experiences and enjoy reincarnating, and that's why people tend to reincarnate over and over again rather than just do it once. It seems to be something that certain souls enjoy doing. Well, what would be the best evidence, uh, Jeff, of reincarnation? Well, the best evidence I've come across is when you can recall information that is historically uh, proven to be true that you don't, you wouldn't normally pick up off normal channels. For example, if you can name addresses and places in, a, in the city of, of 1885, in, in Baltimore, for example, and you can name places and you've never been there. And then when you do the research, you start finding out that this, this information that you came up with was, in fact, historically accurate. That's rare, but it does happen sometimes. And I think that's probably some of the best evidence in, in favor of reincarnation. Just, just because we just don't have the ability to, to learn those things in the normal course of events. Can someone fake reincarnation? For example, if I'm a student of uh, Napoleon Bonaparte and I really... I'm right into studying him. I know everything about him. And I go to a past life regressionist. Can I actually fake a past life of being Napoleon Bonaparte? Sure you can. If you do the research and you can, uh, you've got a good memory, you can remember all these things. But what I noticed when I went through my past life regression mm -hmm. was not so much the, the information that I had available to me, but the emotions that came over me. So when I was going through my past lives, it wasn't so much that I was remembering all of these things, I was feeling them. And I think that a good regression therapist can usually tell when someone is just remembering things by rote, uh, as opposed to actually having a genuine past life memory. Now, what happens between incarnations? So, you know, where do we go when we're not in a body? Well, I believe that our natural state, of course, is a spiritual being. So the body is kind of an artificial mechanism we take on when we come into incarnation. But between doing that, I believe it's a, a, a time of reflection and review, trying to figure out what it is that you, you got out of that incarnation, what kinds of things you would like to experience in the next one. You might want to decide, if you were a woman, maybe you want to come back as a man next time. Or you might want to experience life in, in a particular venue. So I do think that there's some planning going on, some reflection, some review, 
and just resting between incarnations. I think it's very, very exhausting to the soul to go through an incarnation. So when we're going through an incarnation, are we actually going through a, a giant-sized holodeck on the Enterprise? That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, well, you know, the uh, Eastern mystics talk about Maya, the illusion. Mm -hmm. All of the world is simply a thought-generated illusion. Um, I suppose there is something to that, but it's a shared illusion. It's like we're all having the same dream, which is why we have many of the... We can both look at the same events and both see them at the same time. So I I think in in many ways uh, it's as real as it needs to be for what we are trying to learn. But in ultimately, the only thing that is really real is, is just God. How do ghosts figure into reincarnation? And how can one reincarnate if they're a ghost? Well, actually, it's the, the soul is reincarnating. It's producing new personalities each time. Uh, a ghost, then, is actually one of those personalities that uh, is sort of dragging its feet. It's not allowing itself to be absorbed back into the greater soul, if you will. So that's what's hanging out. The soul, however, is not uh, trapped here on Earth. It can go on and reincarnate all at once, even while that personality stays around. So in effect, the person you are now is only one uh, manifestation of the soul. It might be dozens or hundreds of other manifestations going on uh, at the same time. Do we just manifest and reincarnate here on this planet, or do we reincarnate in other dimensions and other planets? Well, I don't know much about other dimensions, but I would guess that any planet that has sentient life would probably be uh, have uh, people reincarnating. So whether we can go from here to another planet is an interesting question. I'm thinking that it would be uh, fairly difficult to do that because um, the change of venue would be too dramatic we might not be able to adapt to it. It's kind of like changing colleges every semester. Mm-hmm. You just kind of get used to doing one thing, and then all of a sudden you go to a whole new college, and, you know, you start it over. And it, so I believe that we tend to reincarnate on the same planet uh, until either it's no longer possible to incarnate there anymore, or we get to the point where maybe we want to try something a little different, and we're ready for it. Do people reincarnate in lower species? For example... Is it possible for someone to reincarnate as a horse, a dog, a cow? Well, the point of reincarnating is to experience as much as possible. I think that sentient life, that is basically the higher life forms, experience more. They, they have a greater range of things that they can do. So to come back as a cow or a horse or something is actually going to diminish the amount of experiences that you can have. I, I'm open to the possibility that uh, animals higher animals may eventually move into being human or sentient. But I'm I'm not a big fan of going backwards. I think it's an upward process, never a downward process. Well, would that be based on one's own religious beliefs and spiritual beliefs? For example, in India, the cow is sacred. Yeah, that's true. And, of course, in India, they call it transmigration of the soul. They do believe that people can come back in, in lower animal forms. Mm-hmm. Uh, I personally have seen no real evidence of that in past life regression where people remember being animals and things of this nature. Uh, so I think that this is more of a, of a cultural belief rather than a, a genuine element of reincarnation. If people come back reincarnated as other people, do animals reincarnate as well? 
Well, you know, that's a, a good possibility. Uh, my uh, my wife has a quiche hound, and she lost a quiche hound a number of years ago. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she wonders if the two are not the same animal, you know, because they have very similar characteristics. And it's like the other pet that she had never had a chance. It only, you know, she only had it for a year when it was killed, and now it's like it's another opportunity. So it's always a possibility. You can never tell what's going on in the spiritual realm sometimes. Jeff Danilek's my special guest this hour. Uh, Jeff is a as a member of the Exxon family, his website is www.ourcuriousworld.com. And Jeff has a great new book out, Exxon Nation. I know it's getting to be near Christmas. So if you're looking for that special gift for someone who's interested in ghosts, hauntings, and things that go bump in the night, an ideal Christmas gift would be The Case for Ghosts by J. Allen Danilik. And it's available at his website at www.ourcuriousworld.com. Curious Worlds, OurCuriousWorld.com. All right, Jeff, if we come back, do we come back in harder lives if we were bad in a previous incarnation? No, I don't believe so. I think that we can set the venue that we want to come into, but what happens once we come into the, the flesh is determined by the decisions that we make and the experiences we have. So a person might come into, uh, be born into poverty, and either become wealthy or they might just die of starvation. It depends on what happens during that period. But I don't believe that any reincarnation is punitive in nature. It's always educational. So, for example, it would make more sense for a Nazi to come back as an Orthodox Jew mm-hmm. to understand what they did, more so than bring them back as a, you know, in some form of punishment because there's no knowledge taking place then. It's just punitive. Now... Where do we go that is that, that transitional point? Is this what we call heaven when we leave this, this, this plane when we die and before we are sent back or come back reincarnated? Do we go to heaven or do we stay within the bounds of limbo? Well, I believe that uh, we actually already live in the kingdom of God right now. I mean, Jesus said, you know, the kingdom is at hand. Mm-hmm. I think it's just a question of whether we can see it in our, in our present circumstance. We tend to dwell in fear and hatred, things like that on this planet, so we don't see it. I don't believe that when we die, we go anywhere. I think we just change form. We transition from one uh, thing to another, and we realize that you know all of these things that we've been afraid of all our lives, and uh, all the problems we've had, are just really more of a part of the illusion than the reality. And we realize that when we, when we die, and then we're prepared to try it again. If we can learn those lessons that we should have learned before. How long does it take before we try it again? That's up to the individual soul. I think uh, sometimes they reincarnate very quickly. There are cases of children who have died in childhood and have reincarnated within months. Wow. Some people take uh, decades. My own case, uh, in my own, I, I know my last three incarnations, and there was a, an average of about 20 years between each incarnation. So it varies. So tell us a bit about your incarnations. Well, when I was a kid, I had a huge fascination for the military, particularly uh, Nazi Germany and the invasion of Russia. Mm-hmm. And in my last life, it turns out that I was, in fact, a German soldier who had uh, fought in Russia and died in Russia in 1941. And that explained a lot of my idiosyncrasies that I grew up with as, uh, as an adolescent in terms of my fascination with the military and, and things like that. Um, another incarnation prior to that was as a, uh, a history uh, professor. In, uh, in a college in New England, 
uh, which explains my love of teaching today. It stayed with me through those two incarnations. And then before that, I was a, uh, a street tough in old London in the early 19th century, apparently uh, kind of a ne'er-do-well, <laughs> if you will, who, uh, who kind of uh, lived by his wits and uh, died young of tuberculosis. So a lot of interesting background. Jeff, stand by. You and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back after these fine words from our sponsors. Still to come on tonight's show, Dr. Jason Rand will be talking about dwarf stars. one 877 That's toll-free throughout the U.S., Canada, Alaska, and Hawaii at one 877 My email address is exxon at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com and exxoneradio.com and exxonetv.com, our two websites, Jeff Danilek's website, www.ourcuriousworld.com. And uh, Jeff and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as we continue tonight's show live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave. www.ourcuriousworld.com Jeff, do people from uh, who reincarnate look for each other in the in the lives that they reincarnate in? I personally believe that uh, some souls do travel together in packs, uh, like hawks and birds. Mm-hmm. So there is such a thing as soulmates. You ever run into somebody who you immediately like or immediately dislike, and there's no reason to? the chances are you've run into somebody that you have worked with uh, or had a very close relationship with mm-hmm. in the past life. So I do believe there is, there is such a thing as soulmates yet. All right, quickly, Jeff, we're running out of time very fast, as we always do when you're on the show. Um, Bigfoot, what's the uh, what's the latest scoop on Bigfoot? Well, they're still out there looking for him. You know, I, I, I'm kind of wondering why they have such trouble finding We have all this technology. Yeah, exactly. And it's like... Yeah, at some point, somebody's got to find it. My, my one, I'm wondering if it's uh, maybe not migrating out of the country. You know, uh, maybe it's, it's fine that there's too many people here and it's moving back up into Canada and British Columbia and areas like that. And maybe that's that's uh, why we can't find it. I, I don't know. I'm stumped. You know, I, 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 my big point is that 
there's a lot of myth, there's a lot of folklore, but when it comes to actual evidence, with all the technology that you were talking about a few moments ago, it seems that nobody has come across with any tangible evidence for the existence of Bigfoot. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of strange. But then, you know, they're looking for Steve Fawcett up in Nevada. Mm-hmm. This is wide open country. They know roughly where he is. They're using satellites. They're using infrared. And they can't find him, you know. And <laughs> so if they can't find an airplane out in the open in the middle of the desert, a Granite State area, how are you going to find something like a Bigfoot in hundreds of thousands of square miles of forest? Well, that's that's... That's uh, believing that Steve Fawcett wants to be found. Well, I don't know why he wouldn't. I mean, I guess he could have, you know, gone incognito. But uh-huh. <laughs> you never know. Uh, you, you know, but where did he do it? What did he do with the airplane? You know, he had to do something with it. So, well, I already he, know what's going on. Exactly. And I'm sure that story will be a fascinating story when it finally does break. Jeff, let our listeners know how they can contact you and get a copy of your new book. Well, they can go to my website at uh, www.ourcuriousworld.com, and I have a link on there. It'll take you over to Llewellyn's le- uh, website. That's my publisher, and you can order it right from there. You can get it in bookstores. Sometimes you can even get it um, uh, off Amazon. So it's all over the place. Just look around for it. www.ourcuriousworld.com, and uh, for Llewellyn, it's www.llewellyn.com. Jeff Danilik, take care of yourself, my friend. Always great talking to you. Thanks a lot, Rob. Good night now. 1-877-528-8255 is toll-free. My next guest, when we come back after the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, is going to be Dr. Jason Rand. We're talking about brown dwarfs. I'm not talking about the little ones that live in the forest, gang. I'm talking about brown dwarfs in outer space. And I'll be back with Dr. Jason Rand on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada on the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away now. Come on, get up and boogie. Uh-huh. 